Hello, friends. It's Ellen Weatherford. And Christian Weatherford. And we're here with just the zoo of us, usually your favorite animal review podcast. But this week, it's your favorite actual play, Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition podcast. <laughs> this is the D&D episode that we promised as part of our Max Fun Drive membership goals, which y'all helped us absolutely crush. So we're delivering on that promise with a very special episode, maybe two episodes, depending on how long this takes us to get through. It's supposed to only be one, but who knows? We'll see how long There's a lot takes. of firsts going on here. Yeah. <laughs> this is our first time playing D&D uh, and recording ourselves, so it's going to be fun. This is also where we normally say we are not experts. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I feel a little closer to expert on these topics. Yeah, that's but true. Still not there. <laughs> Between the two of us, you are far, far, far closer to uh being the D&D expert, nah. which you would think, that being said, that Christian would be our dungeon master for today. It's not the case. <laughs> not this time. Uh, so for those of you unfamiliar with Dungeons & Dragons, it is a role-playing game. Basically, it is a collaborative storytelling game. So um, I have prepared a little bit of an adventure uh, for Christian to go on through the eyes of his character that he's prepared. If you're not familiar with Dungeons & Dragons, I think this will probably still be enjoyable because this is going to be rules light. <laughs> I am for sure not a rules lawyer type, and I don't know the rules that well anyway. So uh, I think that people should be able to follow along without being intricately familiar with the mechanics and rules of Dungeons & Dragons. It's basically when you used to like play pretend on the playground as a kid, but there's numbers that say whether you can do the things you say you're going to do or not. Right. <laughs> so Christian's character has a set of numbers associated with skills and things that he is good at. And so when he wants to do something, he will roll dice and add his numbers to his dice rolls to determine whether he gets to do those things or not. Yes. So I will be using digital dice in my D&D Beyond character sheet. What are you using for dice, Ellen? I will be Googling. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be typing into Google, uh, roll, whatever. That's fun. Yeah. So I, too, will be using virtual dice for ah. this, just to keep the setup simple. I mentioned that Christian is a much more experienced Dungeons & Dragons player than I am. Christian has years of DMing experience and playing experience, a lot more <laughs> experience with D&D than I do. So there will probably be times throughout this adventure when I consult Christian on rules and mechanics of the game or that guidance is offered. Trust that Christian is not mansplaining to me. <laughs> this is a very uh, requested service that he's providing for me. And I will also do this when it is not to my benefit as the player character. Oh my God. Christian, <laughs> <laughs> Christian is the most lawfully aligned person <laughs> I've ever met. <laughs> Christian will tell on himself so bad. So yeah, I am more of a rule of cool style player. Um, I feel like if I think it would be neat for you to do that thing, I'll probably let you do it. Well, there's a problem that I'm just going to breeze right through everything because I'm just so cool. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to throw some stuff in your way. All right. Um, but yeah, this will be a, a rules light, a pretty easygoing, casual adventure. I think it's going to be really fun. I should say this is entirely homebrew content. So while we are using the rules and mechanics of Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition, all of this content I wrote. So I'm excited. 
I am too. I've actually been working on this for like a really long time. <laughs> That's true. It's been a concept prior to the Max Fun Drive. Right. So I had already been kind of workshopping this idea for a while for like many, many months. And um, with the Max Fun Drive coming up, I figured I was like, you know what? Let's have this be a special thing we can do. Ordinarily, I probably would have just played it anyway and just not recorded it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're recording it so that y'all can hear it. I'll probably also put this module up on our website later so that other people can play it if they want to. Nice. Yeah. So with that being said, let's get to it. Let's play. All right. Do you want to introduce your character first? Yes. Okay. So Christian, you're not Christian today. Oh, my character. Yes. My character's name is Monax Tough Dirt. <laughs> Speak on Monax Tufter. Introduce us. Paint us a word picture. Yes. So we are using uh, the races that are found in the fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons, and I have picked a a hill dwarf. For people unfamiliar with Dungeons and Dragons dwarves. Yes. Very similar to the Lord of the Rings concept mm-hmm. <laughs> or many other fantasy concepts of a dwarf. Sure. Uh, so not very tall, but very stocky and sturdy. Facial hair is a big thing. Uh, yeah. And the class I'll be playing. Can you just wait? Hold on. Go ahead. Can you describe Monax's facial hair? Well, the portrait I picked, <laughs> a full beard and mustache that connects to sideburns. With medium-length hair kept in a knot. Wow, you're really deviating from your true self, huh? <laughs> Only a little bit. Really branching out from your Male. normal self. Male dwarf. Male dwarf. Yes. With oh, can, can you give me a hair color at least? Uh, Yeah, chestnut. Chestnut. Oh, what a great descriptor. <laughs> okay, very good. What can you tell us about Monax's whole situation? What's his deal? Where is he from? Yes, so... I don't have location specifics, but... Is, you, you wouldn't because this is a homebrew world and you don't I, know the location. of I can start us. making stuff up. He's <laughs> <laughs> from Fantasy, Florida. <laughs> yes, so his background is in forest management and wildlife control. Perfect. Of course, to go with our theme, to go along with that, the class of this character is a druid. Specifically, the subclass, because we're working with a third level character here... The subclass of the Wildfire Druid, which comes from the more recent book, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. And this was a new discovery to me. I did not know that this circle of druid existed. <laughs> yes. Druids are like nature wizards, basically. Yes. Every kind of druid, the kind of the, the thing they're known for is being able to wild shape into other animals. Mm-hmm. And the strength of that animal depends on how strong they are. This is the anamorph class. Yes. There's a subclass of druid that specializes in that. Mm-hmm. But uh, every druid can do a little bit of it, at least. But yours is a wildfire circle druid. Yes. What does that mean? So I like to imagine it as a druid that coexists with wildfire in that, yes, it has destructive and deadly potential, but mm-hmm. it also is part of nature's cycle in many areas. Right. Uh, to where when there, when there gets to be a buildup of, you know, debris and fallen trees and such, you know, wildfire will get rid of it, but also returning nutrients into the environment. Yeah. Which helps a lot of different animals. Yeah, great balance. Yes. So this is kind of like a a harm assist. (laughs) (laughs) Could be. (laughs) Little hurting, little healing. Right. (laughs) Awesome. Do you have anything else about Monax's like personality or values? Like what what are we dealing with with Monax? 
So Monax, the main thing I have for him so far is that, he, like like you mentioned, he upholds the idea of balance between, I guess, not humans necessarily, because there are more than humans. I'm trying to think of what oh, the Oh, that's pro- true. Humanoid? <laughs> Humanoids? I don't know. <laughs> people. <laughs> yeah, people say people uh-huh. in the natural world. Mm-hmm. I, I guess that does get a little fuzzier in Dungeons & Dragons, doesn't it? Yeah. There's a little more blending. Uh-huh. And there's a lot of stuff that sits somewhere in between. Right, yeah. But So Monax is all about upholding natural balance. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's so perfect. <laughs> well, well, I should say it is so perfect because you and I kind of like worked together on shaping a character that was going to like... You don't know what's going to happen right. in this story, but I give you a little bit to go off of. Yeah, because we wanted to do that because if I pick something totally not related to the story, it wasn't going to be too great of a <laughs> storytelling. Like if I went in with a fighter mm-hmm. like, who's entirely combat based right. and we don't end up doing a ton of combat. Then you would just see a fighter failing at a bunch of not combat stuff. <laughs> right. So I basically gave Christian a little heads up of like, this is what the vibe is going to be. I gave you a prompt, basically, that was kind of like a, just a little taste of the situation you're in. Um, but you don't know what's going to happen. I don't. I was prepared with, uh, you showed me your character early on. So I got to kind of shape the story around your mm-hmm. character. I think it's going to be really cool. Yep. Does Monax have a character voice? <sighs> Not right now. <laughs> Is it going to have to come to you in the moment? Maybe. I'm also recovering from some sort of respiratory illness. That so. should let you access those deep tones, though. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> those dwarven tones. Those <laughs> get in that misty mountain register. <laughs> And Monax belongs to like like a guild, uh, an organization of wildfire druids. Right. These wildfire druids are sort of like park rangers. Essentially, yes. they they run around and do some you know wildlife management, forest management, prescribed burns, stuff like that. Um, yeah. Your organization would be the one that people would contact when they are experiencing some sort of conflict with wildlife or some sort of animal problem. Something's going on related to animals. They don't know what to do about it. They call you. So your guild's reputation for bravery and tracking prowess has caught the attention of Mayor Meadow of the city of Fayport. He sent your headquarters a letter explaining that he is in need of some assistance that requires expertise of your caliber, and if you'd be open to the opportunity, you'd be paid handsomely. He explains that the matter is sensitive and would best be discussed in person. Oh. What do you think? Would Monax be, like, game to go, or would they have to send him? It's funny you mentioned that, because it seemed like with this kind of secrecy, I wonder if the benefactor went through the organization, or if this is me moonlighting. Mm, this is your side hustle. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think that Mayor Meadow has contacted the organization directly, Okay. and maybe they, like, put it up like on their bulletin board or something, right? Like maybe they have like a big board in their headquarters that's like, here's jobs you can take. And like, would you go, would you be up for that? Like grab it proactively or would you have to be kind of like assigned it? I would think with the secrecy, it would be a handpicked situation. Mm. And then have to be like, hey, with your coworkers, don't tell them you're going off and doing this. Just be <laughs> like you're going to the training to uh, WoodCon. Yeah, to WoodCon. <laughs> <laughs> identifying wood (laughs) yep (laughs) that's wood (laughs) okay so monax has proactively decided to uh take mayor meadow up on his offer on this secret mission that he doesn't know what it is yet Mm -hmm. 
Uh, you find yourself disembarking a ship that has just docked in Fayport, which is a fishing town. And from what you can see from the port, it is sort of nestled between the mouth of a large river immediately to its north, the shore of the vast ocean to your east, so behind you. Mm-hmm. Most of the buildings in Fayport are these small, wooden, sort of run-down, old-looking buildings, nothing fancy. There are two notable buildings in the city, one of which is a lighthouse, a mm. towering lighthouse. It's made of this like bright red brick. It's very tall, big light at the top. You, you've heard of lighthouses before, yes? Yes. You're familiar with the concept? <laughs> um, there's also a stone building that is much larger than the other buildings here. It's also sort of like ornately decorated, and it has guards standing out front. Um, there's also, you know, just kind of general open-air market-like shops and people milling about and stuff. It's um, pretty cut-and-dry fishing village stuff. All right. <laughs> So, yeah, the mayor uh, is expecting your arrival, but obviously he doesn't know you're here yet. So, what do you want to do? Are there local, like, deckhands that are working on the dock and such? Sure, yeah, there's people working on the dock. Like I said, this is a fishing village, right? So there's people, like, hauling nets full of fish and crabs and shrimp. They're kind of busy at work, but yeah, there's lots of people around. I want to approach one. Okay. Probably the closest person to you would probably be a deckhand that's like mooring, like tying the ship up. Ah, perfect. Yes. That's all right. (laughs) You got that voice, huh? Yes, I'm, uh, excuse me. No, I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) What? You sound like you're about to cough. (laughs) That's accurate. (laughs) Okay. Give it it a chance. (laughs) Okay, I'll give it a chance. All right, I'll warm up to it. Yes, uh, excuse me. Okay. The deckhand kind of looks at you quickly, looks you up and down. He sees that you're clearly not from around here. You don't look like anybody around here. You are dressed differently from everybody around here. And he kind of gives you a, nah, kind of ignores you. Yes, uh, is is that the mayor's residence? And I just kind of nudge or point over to that stone building. He goes, yeah, bud. All right, then, thanks. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Um, See you around, champ. This might be a good time to note. uh, Plus zero to charisma. Mm, That's going to come in handy. (laughs) (laughs) However, the dump stat. Oh, yeah, what was your dump stat? Let me hear it. Dexterity. Uh oh. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be a rocky ride for Monax. (laughs) All right. Okay. Should we explain abilities? Abilities are things that a character is good or bad at. Sure. So a high score in that ability means they're going to be more likely to succeed at attempting those things. Um, So Christian mentioned that his charisma is a plus zero, which means that social interactions are likely going to be a struggle for this character, (laughs) because when you roll for that stat, you will not have anything to add to it to give you a better chance at succeeding. Yes. But if dexterity was your what is called a dump stat, which means (laughs) you allocated all of your skill points to other skills and not that one, uh, that means that you have a negative modifier to that ability and every time you attempt to do something using that ability you will need to subtract a number from your roll yes. instead of adding it's not good but that's part of the game it is it's part of the game part of the cards part of the dice i guess uh so yeah barring, barring any other objective i think monax will make his way towards the mayor's mansion okay 
So as you kind of walk through the village, you can see that people just kind of are a little bit wary of you um, because you clearly are not from this city. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a pretty small village and they seem pretty close knit. Um, so they just kind of like look you up and like give you like a side eye and then just kind of go on about their business. They also seem kind of just generally stressed, maybe a little generally grumpy. seems like maybe things aren't going amazing in Fayport right now. Could I incite mm. <laughs> if their stress is purely from me? Oh, okay. I guess make an insight check. All right. Is insight the verb form of that? <laughs> Could you insee? <laughs> <laughs> A seven plus three for a total of ten. I think what you could tell with a ten is that while they do seem vaguely disgruntled by your presence, they also seem to be largely ignoring you. Mm. So it doesn't seem like it's that big a deal, but it's definitely not their favorite thing. Okay. That's the vibe. I think Monax is just going to be walking straight with his chin up. Mm. <laughs> you got to uh, display strength. Right, because he's like a short king, so you have to (laughs) really exaggerate a little bit. So you proceed to the largest building in town, which the deckhand has so politely and kindly informed you, (laughs) is the mayor's residence. This is Meadow Hall, and there are guards up front. You're there. Uh, I can't say the hail and well met. I just can't. The what? (laughs) I can't just say hail and well met. Oh, hail and (laughs) well (laughs) met. I can't. The guards don't seem particularly hostile or anything like that. They're just kind of vibing. I'm going to walk up, mm-hmm. stare at them silently. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a zero in charisma move. <laughs> just complete. Are you T-posing in front of these guards? <laughs> okay. They kind of uh, look you up and down and they're like, can I, uh, can I help you? Are y'all... Uh- are y'all uh, expecting more than one dwarf today? I, <laughs> I wonder. Frankly, sir, we weren't expecting any dwarves today. <laughs> oh, well, I'm here. I have an appointment with Mayor Meadows. It's just Meadow. Meadow, singular? Yes, one, okay. the one. Just the one. Got it. Yep, here's the Mayor Meadow. <laughs> Monarch's tough dirt. <laughs> Keep in mind that your organization was contacted oh, for this that's job, <laughs> but you specifically were not. So oh, no. I think if you give your name, they're okay. just going to kind of... We have to settle on a name for this organization. We could call it the Fire Scouts. Okay. The Fire Scouts. <laughs> <laughs> so the Fire Scouts have sent you, okay. but uh, they don't. The, the, the mayor's office isn't necessarily expecting you yet. Okay. So I think they kind of narrow their eyes at you and they're like... Yeah, a lot of people got appointments with Mayor Meadow these days. <laughs> You're going to have to be more specific. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, the Fire Scouts sent me. Ah, Fire Scouts. Right this way. Right this way. And they um, escort you inside. The interior of the building, once you get inside, it is lavishly furnished and decorated. Mm. So there are glass chandeliers hanging from the ceilings. There's oil portraits of these very aristocratically dressed humans on the walls. The floors are just lined with rugs and everything is just very lush and everything is like mahogany. And (laughs) The guards lead you to the mayor's office, which you... what. I will get sidetracked to identify the mahogany. (laughs) You can identify the wood. You know, I don't want to make you make a like a nature check for that because then I'm gonna have to come up with something. And you know what? This is a homebrew world. I can make up whatever I want. It's more. I'm sure with Monax's experience, you can tell it's mahogany, but I think he's interested in the quality. Oh, the quality, sure. 
I don't know. Maybe you can come up with that. What do you think? Is it like actual good quality wood or is it like cheap wood made to look fancy? Mm. What do you think? Well, does the rest of the stuff in here lead me to believe there yeah. is actual wealth? And yeah, it's pretty I, nice. Yeah. I would say it's it's pretty it's high stuff. quality. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> do you share that information or keep it to yourself? Just in the way of like a whistle, like... <laughs> and it just continues on his way. Oh, okay. So the, the, the guards kind of nod and they're like, dwarf of good taste. <laughs> <laughs> um, so once you get to the mayor's office, his office is just filled with taxidermied animals. Mm. There's glass cases and shelves everywhere that display like foxes and rabbits, alligators. The most noticeable one is a dire wolf. Like... Ah a whole entire dire wolf that has been taxidermied and it stands behind the desk of the mayor. Um, the mayor himself is kind of a he's, a, he's a short older man. He's not as short as you. <laughs> <laughs> and he is, uh, he's dressed in this cloak made of this shaggy brown bear pelt. Like one of the kinds that's like a cape with like the bear's head yeah, on top of his head. Skyrim style. Yeah, yep. for sure. But he himself doesn't look like the type that actually does the hunting. Mm. Like you kind of get the vibe that maybe he either commissioned or just purchased these taxidermies. These are not necessarily his personal hunting trophies. These are maybe just things he collects. Okay. You're entering his office. So right, you, right, right, right. you enter his office and he doesn't know who you are yet. So. Correct. It's up to you well, to introduce yourself, make your own impression. Um, so I just walk in and say, yes, uh, Mayor Meadow, I'm Monax, tough dirt of the <laughs> Fire Scouts. I understand you're hiring our services. Oh, very good. He, he extends his hand to you. He says, please call me Paul. Very well, Paul. Monax shakes his <laughs> hand. I'm going to see if I can do a, a voice for him. He says, well, thank you kindly for heeding my summons, partner. Oh, boy. I do believe your expertise may be the solution to a particular predicament that I have found myself in, the details of which are to remain within these here walls. And he kind of gives you like a, a knowing nod to see if you reciprocate. Uh, an awkward wink backward. An awkward wink. <laughs> like, yeah, so think about it. Like Oh, like a manual wink. Yes. <laughs> he has to like really put a lot of effort into not blinking. Yes. <laughs> Very good. He says, see your Monax last year. I added a live specimen to my collection, a small snake, only about long as your forearm. Red and gold scales shine like embers. This is a gorgeous snake. Never seen anything like him. Problem is, and Paul sort of gestures at a glass terrarium on a shelf that's near his desk, and the terrarium is full of this lush greenery, but it is noticeably devoid of a snake. Ah. He seems to have taken himself a little leave of absence. I ain't seen about near eight months now. I tried looking for him myself in secret so as not to disturb the peace by alarming the good folks of Fayport and implicating myself in a display of irresponsibility. But as you can imagine, I had no such luck. This is where you come in, should you successfully capture and return my dear kudzu to me privately. <laughs> I can offer ample compensation. Wow, that's, that's quite a predicament. Um, are you sure it's not just invisible? <laughs> Mystery solved, end of game <laughs> Well, um, invisibility was not in the uh, owner's manual For this particular species of snake You know, yeah, let's let's talk about what this snake is all about uh, His name's Kudzu mm -hmm. A beautiful snake, like I said Red and gold scales He's not venomous I say it a million times People often don't believe me But 
he ain't venomous. Little guy just got out of his cage one day. Can't find him. Do we think he's here in the and the kind of just gestures into this room or the building or this town? Where, where do we think it got? I searched the grounds. I searched the village. I couldn't find him. All right. Um, unless there's any other information, I guess I'll get started. You may have better luck searching down south, down the hunter's trails. See if he got down in the woods somewhere. The only assistance I can offer you is a hunting hound. Oh, boy. You go on down to the kennel and talk to Sarah Noah and give her this. And he hands you a um, signed voucher from his like desk from his stationery mm. that entitles you to a free rental of a hunting hound. Oh, that's nice. Yes. If you're going to take one of my dogs with you, this might help. And he reaches into the terrarium and he gives you a shed skin from the snake. Ooh. Yeah. Sounds like a plan. Um, I would like to poke around in the terrarium a little bit before I head out. All right. I would like to search that terrarium for clues. Okay, give me an investigation. Ooh, that's an 18 plus one for wow. 19. Okay, let me think. I think that you can see that in the terrarium, on the substrate at the bottom of the terrarium, which I'm imagining is like a mulch, you see the tiniest little bits of ash and tiny, tiny, tiny little scorch marks on the substrate at the bottom. Huh. Yeah. Mayor Meadow. Oh, sorry. Paul, was there a small fire in this terrarium at any point, perhaps? Or maybe it got too close to, I don't know, a fireplace or stove? He kind of looks at you puzzled and he goes, I mean, the the plants is still in there, ain't they? When they burned up. That's true. But no, uh, hmm. No. Nothing? No fire. Interesting. All right, then. I think I'll be on my way to get the dog. Sounds good. Does the kennel worker know why I'm there, or will I need to be discreet? Well, hunters come come and go and take dogs all the time. She don't ask too many questions. Very well. And will just kind of head his way, head on to the dog kennel. Very good. The kennel is kind of down to the southern end of town. Mm-hmm. It is like a line of fenced stalls covered with this wooden awning. It is operated by an attendant who is a lean human woman. This is Sarah Noah that the mayor told you to meet with. She is covered in dirt and dog hair. She oh. doesn't seem super bothered by that, though, because when you approach the kennel, she is actively cleaning the dog's stalls, which, by the way, look incredible. Like, she clearly takes really good care Aww. of her kennel. And when you walk up to the kennel, she, I mean, she sees that you're there, but she's also way more interested in cleaning this dog kennel than she is in talking to you. What was the name that the mayor told me? Sarah Noah. Sarah Noah. Is her name. Got it. Mm-hmm. The stalls are each filled with hunting hounds in, in most of them. Some of them are gone hunting, though. And when I say hunting hounds, I do mean bloodhounds. Yes. These are big, floppy hunting dogs. <laughs> so even with all of his experience with wildlife and animals, probably the first time with a bloodhound. Oh, imagine. like with a domesticated dog, yes, you think? I think so. Okay. Maybe he's out roughing it more <laughs> or so. Yes, um, excuse me, Miss Sarah Noah. She stops what she's doing and looks at you. Yes, I would like your finest bloodhound and then hands out the... I think she takes the voucher from you and kind of like eyeballs it real close to make sure it's not like a forgery because she doesn't know you. She hasn't right. seen you. Um, so she kind of narrows her eyes and looks at it real close. 
And she turns and looks down the stall of dogs like she's kind of thinking about which one she's going to give to you. And she walks you over to a stall that has a like a wooden plaque on the door. All of the stalls have wooden plaques with the dog's mm-hmm. names carved into them lovingly by hand. Oh. And this one says Sable, S-A-B-A-L, mm. Sable. She gets a thick rope leash off of the kennel door. She loops it around Sable's collar and she hands you the leash. She tells you, now Sable is trained to hunt game. So when he picks up a scent, just just follow him. He'll also defend you if you're attacked. But he don't take commands. You can't tell him to go fight. He won't do it. Oh, that's okay. Um, Come here, Sable. The dog kind of tilts his head at you. Good, Sable. Mm, very <laughs> scritches, good. Scritches under the chin. Oh, very good. Oh, you can pet the dog in this game. Hooray. <laughs> Wait a minute. I have to check the other thing. What's the other thing? <laughs> Does the dog die? <laughs> well, that's entirely up to you, uh, isn't it? <laughs> this is too much pressure. <laughs> this dog's life is in your hands. Oh, no. So Sable is yours. Temporarily. You have a bloodhound at your hand. Is there a time limit of sorts? No. You just got to bring him back alive. Mayor Meadow told you that you would have the best luck searching the woods using the hunting trails. There are signs that direct you down the coast. Mm -hmm. So from the southern end of the village, you can just kind of walk right out onto the sandy coast south down to where the hunting trails begin. Okay. So the beaches along the eastern coast are these soft sand dunes. They're kind of scattered with driftwood here and there. You know what beaches look like. <laughs> um, while we're tr- kind of walking and traveling, mm-hmm. I think Monax wants to keep an eye out for suspicious signs of fire. Okay. That sounds like maybe his expertise. Yes. Maybe something he's quite good at. You don't see any okay. from the beach. There is one thing that you do see while you're walking down the beach. There's seagulls everywhere, mm-hmm. right? They're just kind of flying around, living their life, doing their thing. You notice that the seagulls in one spot are kind of flocking like there's a big group of them that are all sort of swarming around this one thing um you can't quite see what it is but you could see some sort of splashing going on like right on the edge of the water and um you're not really sure whether the splashing is from something or Mm -hmm. from the seagulls but the seagulls seem to be very riled up about something ah we'll start approaching and then i'll attempt Sable, speak. Speak? Yeah. It's the same thing. Sable looks at you and just kind of like maybe raises one eyebrow like (laughs) it ain't working, pal. (laughs) All right. Just run at the seagulls then. Oh, you're just running at them? Yeah. Uh, Make an intimidation check. Okay. Against these seagulls. Oh, yeah. These intimidating seagulls. Have you ever tried to get seagulls away from something that they're like really invested in? They will fight you. As long as you know they have hollow bones, you'll be fine. (laughs) Intimidation. Is this something you're good at? No. It's a charisma thing. Oh, is it? I thought it was a strength thing. But I did roll high, so that's a 17. Oh, yeah. Yeah, easy peasy. You totally shoo them away immediately. They all just like scatter in a million directions, (laughs) screaming their heads off. And what you see when the seagulls clear away is that in the water thrashing around is a bonnethead shark. It is clearly not where it's supposed to be, but it is tangled in fishing line. Oh, no. So it cannot get itself back into the water because it is wrapped up in fishing line. Hmm. So, yeah, I'll attempt to detangle it with the intent of getting it back into the water. I imagine there's a hook then. Yes. Is it visible? The hook? Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. It's just in the shark's mouth. Okay. Uh, I will attempt to grab it and try to get that hook. Out. Uh, how big? How big is this? It's a normal size fishing lug. The, oh, I should say the bonnet head shark yes. is only about two feet long. Okay. Yes. Yeah, it's we're, a little... we're going to attempt to get the hook out. Okay. The, the bonnet head shark is like thrashing yes. around and does not want you to be doing what you're doing. So I think when you pick it up, you are able to do this very easily, but you're going to take one piercing damage from the roughness of the shark's skin that is like is like rasping against your skin because the shark is thrashing okay so you're able to release the shark from the fishing line and then you just kind of set it back down and it wiggles its way back into the water and swims off back into the ocean and as soon as it does that the water around you kind of like swirls and bubbles for a minute and then a hand an arm of a water elemental rises out of the water and it offers you a ring that is carved from a shell. It has a shark's tooth set in it. Oh, it is a ring of animal influence. That's cool. Um, this ring has three charges while wearing the ring. You can use an action to expend one of its charges to cast animal friendship, fear, or speak with animals. So you can use this ring to cast one of those spells three times. Nice. This one will be going on Monax's right ring finger, and he will be pocketing the hook and fishing line. Oh, nice. Okay. That may come in handy later. Who knows? <laughs> oh, and also when the hand of the water elemental fades back into the water, it does the Terminator thumbs up <laughs> thing. I was kind of look at Sable. That was crazy, huh? Sable just... Nah. Yeah. <laughs> if a dog could shrug, Sable would shrug at you. I do appreciate that you're really trying to win over this dog, though. <laughs> This dog who could not be more neutral towards you at this moment. I guess it's kind of like winning over your Pikachu when you play in Pokemon Yellow version. Right. Okay. Do you want to keep going down the beach? Yes. Make me a perception check. Okay. A 17 plus 5 for 22. Wow. Okay. Very good. Um, so as you're walking down the beach, you notice there's a spot in the sand where there's like a little hole in the sand. Mm-hmm. I think that you can't see exactly what's inside the hole, but you can see that there are like a few different holes kind of nearby. Mm. Um, and they, they're not man-made holes. You can tell with that high of a perception check. They're not man-made. There's multiple holes. I'd like to look inside one. You want to look inside? Okay. (laughs) Okay, hold on, hold on. on. How big are these holes? Uh, uh, Diameter-wise. Maybe two feet. Can I see how deep? You cannot see how deep. It's pretty deep, I would still like to look inside the hole. Okay, you're going to look inside the hole. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, as you get close and look inside, a pale white claw emerges from the hole followed by the rest of a very large one might say giant crab oh boy since you detected it early you are the initiator here right (laughs) uh so you you can see that this crab sees you looking in its burrow doesn't like that you're doing that it starts crawling out of its burrow When it crawls out, you can see that in addition to it being like sort of this pale white, it's also slightly transparent. Oh. Like just a little bit transparent. And then as it comes out, it kind of, it's it's snapping its claws at you Mm -hmm. and two little eyes pop out from the two holes nearby. So it's, it's snapping its claws at you and it is making quite a commotion. Ah. 
I will back away. You're going to back away? <laughs> so, whoa, holding my hands up. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just, just wanted to see what was in there. I'm good. Very good. Okay. I think that as soon as you start to back away, as soon as you get maybe like five or ten feet away, I think the crab realizes you're retreating and kind of like huffily turns around and goes back inside its burrow and uses its claws to like toss some <laughs> sand over it and kind of be like, yeah, good riddance. <laughs> the other two little crabs that you could see peeking out of their burrows kind of like roll their eyes almost at you. <laughs> you almost hear one of them be like, coward. <laughs> Here for the snake. <laughs> so you continue down the beach until you get to a wooden sign that marks the entrance to the hunting trail mm. that takes you into the forest. Okay. There is a notice posted on the sign, and it is alerting hunters of a decree from the king forbidding the poaching or harassment of rare tortoises that live in this oh. forest. Punishable by a powerful curse. You will get Super cursed. So don't mess with the tortoises. That's huh. basically the gist of it. Okay. Yeah. Why don't you make a... Let's do nature. Okay. Make a nature check. One That's plus a, one is a two. You're aware that tortoises are <laughs> reptiles related to turtles, <laughs> often live on land. That is the extent of your knowledge. All right. About this tortoise. That's fair. <laughs> Them's the brakes, kid. <laughs> All right, Sable. Time for uh, time for you to shine. And that's when I'll take out the, the shed skin for Sable to smell. Very good. Okay. Snable. 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 <laughs> Well, hold on. Take the mask off. Ah, it was you all along. <laughs> it was polymorphed. <laughs> okay, great. So Sable sniffs the shed from the snake from Kudzu that the mayor gave you mm -hmm. and kind of leads you down the trail. So you're, you're following Sable down the hunting trail, which takes you into the forest. The trail begins as just like a dirt trail that mm -hmm. is just partially covered by fallen leaves. There's overgrown tree roots that are kind of sticking out of the ground. So it's a little bit of a bumpy walk. Um, the forest is really thick and the ground surrounding the trail is just completely hidden by these like waist high palmettos. Mm. You really can't see the ground outside of these dirt trails. Just kind of all around, you can hear noisy birds, you hear cicadas, you hear the rustling of like animals scurrying through the foliage. Sable is alert. He's sniffing the air. He's definitely on the trail of something. He's he's looking. He's doing his best. Good dog. He hears you say good dog, and he kind of looks at you like, I know, it's not <laughs> news to me. But he does seem to at least acknowledge your compliment. Yay something yes you're making you're making headway with this dog <laughs> i think uh make a perception check okay 21 total Whew, that's very good with that you are able to notice that on the forest floor um up ahead of you maybe like a few feet ahead through the leaves on the ground you are able to spot the coiled shape of a snake um, that is laying under the leaves. Ooh. Looking closely at the snake, because you can see it, you got a really great perception roll. You can see it from a good distance. You can see that it is dark brown. It has black bands across his body and a triangular shaped head, but it is not moving. You see the snake. Mm -hmm. It either has not seen you or has not responded to your presence. Do we think Monax is familiar with snakes in general? Probably, right? You could roll for that. Okay. Yeah, I guess make a nature check okay. to see what you know about this snake. So 13. 13? 
I think with that, you have seen snakes similar to this one. You haven't Mm -hmm. seen this exact one, but you have seen snakes similar to this. And the snakes that you've seen that are similar to this are venomous. Okay. Uh, Do I get the sense that it's trying to camouflage? Its eyes are open, Mm -hmm. but it's not moving. So I think you could deduce that it is hiding. Hmm. I think I would like to walk around it in such a way that I'm not revealing I'm aware of its presence so that it thinks its camouflage has worked and that, mm. I, I, I'm, that I'm not aware of it. Sure. So like no eye contact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> like how far away are you going to be from it? How wide is the trail? And I guess, where is it? I'd say the trail is maybe like 10 feet wide. Okay. And this, the snake is pretty much smack dab in the center. I would just as far off to the side of the trail as I can get. Okay. So you're clinging to the edge. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. The snake watches you pass and, is fine with that. <laughs> and, and Sable's not interested in it at all? I think Sable has been on enough of these hunting trips that Sable knows what this snake is oh, okay, and okay. is leaving it alone. So, yeah, you navigate around the snake. The snake pays you no mind. Awesome. Snake is pretty cool with you being there. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say cool with you being there, but no issue. Just like, hey, hey, go on now. <laughs> Maybe you guys give each other that upward nod real quick. <laughs> We're like, sup? <laughs> nod of respect to each other. Okay, great. So you continue on the path. Give me another perception check, please. Okay. 12. Up above you, not like directly above you, but like up in the trees ahead of you, you can see a crow that is looking back at you from a tree branch. Mm -hmm. And you can see that it's holding something, but you can't see what. Hmm. I think I want to do something here. Am I within 30 feet of it? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Then I would like to use a charge, the Ring of Animal Influence, to cast Animal Friendship. Okay. Interesting. So, let you convince a beast that you mean it no harm. Choose a beast that you can see within range. It must see and hear me. If its intelligence is four or higher, the spell fails. Otherwise, they must succeed on a wisdom saving throw or be charmed by me for the spell's duration. Uh, and if I or one of my companions harms the target, the spell ends. Okay. I just was looking up um, the stat block for a raven in okay. the 5th edition, because that's the closest I could find to a crow, and its intelligence was 2. So <gasps> I think we're good here. <laughs> All right. So that's going to have to do that wisdom save. My save DC is 13. It did get a 16. Okay. What then was your spell save DC? 13. Okay. So it saved. Okay. If you if that spell fails, is the target able to tell that you tried to cast it on them? Probably. I don't know that for sure, but probably. Sure. Okay, so the raven is not charmed, but it can tell that you have tried to do something. Mm-hmm. So it flies off to a different tree nearby where it stops, and you can kind of see that it looks like it's stopping at a nest. Mm. Um, it drops whatever was in its mouth in its nest and flies away, squawking. <laughs> I would like to climb this tree and see what it was. Okay, let's get an athletics check. All right. I'm going to say this nest is like 20 feet up. Oh, that's fun. That's a 12. Um, That sounds right. Yeah, I think you're able to climb up the tree. And once you get up there, you are able to see that the thing that was in its mouth was a dagger. Mm. The dagger has a long, slender blade that looks like it's made of like a crystal, but it is also giving off like a faint mist and has a slight glow to it. Um, Anything else in the nest? Like eggs, babies, anything? No, this is a nest that the crow has been preparing. Okay. Uh, How long is it? 
dagger length. It's not huge. Okay. It's um, just a regular dagger. I would like to take this dagger and also leave behind two gold coins. Aww. <laughs> That's so sweet. A trade. Yes. Hey, Raven gets two things. <laughs> um. Okay. When you pick up the dagger, you notice that it is ice cold when Ooh. you touch it. Like it is very cold on your hand. This is the Chiletto. Oh, boy. <laughs> this is basically a dagger that in addition to regular dagger stats, mm-hmm. um, on a hit, you deal an additional 1d4 of cold damage. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Is this based on a, an existing item or a homebrew? It's I just added cold damage to a dagger. Okay. Is it a plus one dagger or is it just regular dagger? With it's the, a regular dagger with, that, the... with a d4 of cold damage added to it. All right. So you have the Chiletto. You're <laughs> uh, 20 feet up a tree. What do you do? <laughs> uh, try to safely climb back down. Let's see another athletics All check. Right. Okay, 12 got you up. So <laughs> meter beat that to get back down. I did it. Got an 18. Nice. Nicely done. You get down <laughs> just fine. Yay. No um, fall damage. No, no fall damage for you. So Sable continues leading you down the trail. At one point, Sable starts to kind of mm, growl, like something is not sitting well with him. He kind of does that thing that dogs do when something's wrong, where they do that. Mm. You hear some rustling in the shrubs that is a a good ways off of the trail. You Mm. can't quite tell what. You can just hear a rustling sound. Mm, Let's see. I'm torn on how to react to this. Mm. I'll just call out. Say, uh, is, is someone over there? The rustling stops, and then you see one human kind of stand up from the shrubs. They kind of wave at you, and I think they say, we're all good. Don't mind us. What you doing? They kind of wave you off. What, what you doing? Uh, all business. Okay. Insight? Yeah. 22. They are definitely being shifty. They're doing something they're not supposed to do. Hmm. Um, all right, then. Um, I'm going to go on my way, then. I'm being deceitful. I'm going to sneak up on them. Okay, that is going to... Re- oh, gosh. I'm gonna, do I want to make you do two checks for this? Because yeah. you got to do deception and yes. stealth. Listen to Christian over here. He's like, yes, <laughs> let me roll twice. <laughs> yeah, give me both deception and stealth to okay. see if you if you successfully do both of those things. Well, the deception's a three. Um, that's usually contested against an insight check on their side. They did bad. What was yours again? A three. Oh, whew. okay. They just barely are like... I don't think he's going on about his business. <laughs> but I, I don't think I would realize that. I'm still going to attempt to sneak up. <laughs> so you're still trying to sneak up on them, and they are just staring at you. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I mean, if I know they're actively looking at okay. me, probably not. Because <laughs> the deception was the first thing, right? You had yeah, to lie yeah, yeah, to them yeah. to make them think that you were continuing about I guess, your business. I guess, I guess the way I thought of it was I, I would be able to sneak up on them, but they're still expecting me, maybe. Oh, like they still think that you're... Sure. Coming up on them. But well, oh, you know what? Did you roll for your stealth already? No. I Go ahead and roll for your stealth. Okay. Stealth is a dex one. Mm-hmm. That's a zero. <laughs> I rolled a one. <laughs> Got a negative. 
<laughs> okay, you do this thing where you kind of try to like that thing where people like pretend to be walking down an escalator. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so you pretend like you're walking away. They very much know you're not walking away and you I think maybe try to crawl through the underbrush, <laughs> but you don't realize that you're being incredibly loud and noisy and rustling all the leaves. And so they're just like watching you slowly crawl through the underbrush towards them. Fully aware you're there. <laughs> um, you haven't exactly um, riled them up yet. They just have tried to kind of uh, wave you on about your business. So I think that when you get up to them close enough where you could make eye contact with them you see that it is two humans Uh so the one that stood up and talked to you the other one has his arm up to his shoulder Uh inside a hole in the dirt and they both just kind of like freeze and stare at you because they cannot believe that you have just done this (laughs) (laughs) um just kidding but what's what's in that hole say wouldn't you like to know do i see bags or anything yeah i think you see a large leather bag and inside of the bag is a wire cage that is open and empty and the bag is fitted around it in such a way where it looks like the cage is meant to go inside the bag Mm. but there's nothing in the cage i should also say that these people do not look like they're from here they're dressed very differently they speak Mm -hmm. differently from the people of fayport they don't look like they're from here Uh do i recognize them as poachers you may certainly make an insight check okay. to see if you recognize them as poachers. The nat 20. They're very much poachers. <clears throat> Y'all are under arrest. <laughs> I think they kind of try to like hold their hands up and be like, all right, listen, we don't want any trouble. We don't want any trouble. We're just here to collect some samples. I think with your insight, you can tell that they're lying about that. Y'all saw those signs, right? Uh, they start to kind of like get really nervous and they, they realize that like you're onto them. I think the second human removes his arm <laughs> from the hole and is kind of brushing the dirt off of it to try to look like he wasn't just doing something he wasn't supposed to be doing. And one of them draws a sword. Okay. So then the next thing I was going to say after the science comment was, I'm the curse. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, roll initiative. Yay. Let's go initiative is also dexterity based so let's go but i did roll high so that is an 18 for my initiative okay uh sable's actually up first oh yeah um he was already growling and bristling at these poachers Mm -hmm. um he already did not like their vibe at all so sable he's gonna run up on him and try to bite nice he's gonna bite one of the poachers Especially once he sees the sword. Sable runs up and makes a bite attack on one of the poachers. It misses. I'm so sorry, Sable. You tried really hard. Mission failed. We'll get him next time. (laughs) Next is you. All right. I would like to use summon wildfire spirit. (gasps) Let's go. Okay. Do it. Do do whatever you need to do for that. Am I able to summon it into a place where the poachers are within 10 feet of it, but not Sable? I think since Sable did just try to run up on them, uh-huh. but you could maybe cast it like behind them. Sure. Where their bodies would probably block the effect of the wildfire from Sable. Okay, that's fine. Because um, what happens is when I summon it, Each creature within 10 feet of the spirit other than me 
must succeed on a dex saving throw or take 2d6 fire damage. So this is just the act of summoning it. Oh, wow. That's a dex save from the poachers? Yes. 13 dex save. One of them failed. The other one also failed. Okay. That is a total of 8 fire damage. What? Are you kidding me? (laughs) Okay. For both of them? Yes. All right. I let you do this? (laughs) Okay. That's fine. Uh, The way I'm imagining the fire spirit is a woodland creature, let's say the hedgehog. A hedgehog? (laughs) Aww. A hedgehog, but sort of like a fire atronach from Skyrim, where its body is like gnarled wood with Mm. flame inside of it. Oh, that's cool. It's kind of leaking out. And then like the flame where its eyes are supposed to be are particularly bright. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, that's very cool. And then when it was summoned, it was kind of like a small plume of fire as it was And then as a bonus, action i will tell this fire spirit attack um you have to use your bonus action for that yes for it to take an action oh um it it acts after me but i have to use a bonus action to tell it to do something on on its turn okay uh so it's going to use an attack called flame seed okay that sounds (laughs) like it's from pokemon yeah doesn't the way i'm going to envision this in terms of just flavor Mm -hmm. is the quills (gasps) yes contain like little seeds at the end and they shoot out at the oh that's neat um i'll say the one sable tried to attack okay um it is a plus five to hit so that is a lot oh (laughs) boy 23 to hit yeah that hits real good as 1d6 plus two of fire damage all right let's see it minimum damage three fire damage that poacher is struggling but he's still up. That concludes Monax and Fire Spirit's turn. Okay, very cool. Next up in the order is the Poachers. Um, one of them already got his sword out. I should have been more specific. It's a scimitar. Yeah. So this is the one that Sable tried to attack. So he's going to try to defend himself from Sable. Okay, he did not hit. All right, other guy is going to... He's maybe a little bit farther away from you. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to move towards you with his own scimitar, and he's going to attack you. Okay. That is a, an 18 to hit. That hits. Okay. He does two slashing damage. All right. Big hit there. <laughs> so next up is Sable's backup. Mm-hmm. So Sable is going to attempt another bite attack. Sable did hit this time. Oh, boy. Ooh, Sable did a good bite. Good dog. Yes, Sable has knocked out this poacher. That poacher's done, which leaves poacher number two. With me? With you. It's your turn. I will stab them with the chiletto. With the chiletto? (laughs) Yes. Okay. (laughs) For a total of nine. That's a total of nine? Yes. I'm so sorry. That's okay. That is not going to do it. Um, And then for my bonus action, I will use my bonus action to command my fire spirit. Uh, I'll do this in game. Spirit, take me away from this ruffian. What happens then is the fire spirit comes to me Mm -hmm. and we teleport. What? Where are you going? (laughs) Just 15 feet away. Okay. You're 15 feet away. But as part of that teleport, the spot that we teleported from erupts in like another plume of fire. Okay. And anything within five feet of my choice has to make a dex save, which I think is just that poacher. Right. A dex save, you say? Yes. All right. DC 13. That is a success. Okay. No damage. he jumps out of the way. Okay. So now you're 15 feet away. Yes. Sable's back with the poacher. (laughs) Sable seems to be doing fine. Okay. And that's your turn? 
Yes. All right. So poacher number one. No, poacher <laughs> number two is going to make another scimitar attack on Sable. Once again, a swing and a miss <laughs> from poacher number two, who can't get his act together. No such luck for poacher number two, who is now with an angry dog, <laughs> who is going to now in turn attempt to bite him. And Sable very much does hit. <laughs> Sable's not here to play. <laughs> Sable's so mad right now. And that was enough. Really? Yes. Sable finished off poacher number two. Sable's the real hero, actually. Well, you loosened them up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the poachers are down. We did it. You're still 15 feet away uh, <laughs> from... Do you want to make your way back over there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. You come back over to where you left Sable. And I think maybe Sable is kind of sniffing around in this area to see what these folks were up to. Did Sable take any damage? Sable did not take damage, okay, no. Good. Because <laughs> that poacher missed all of his shots. Okay. He missed all of the shots that he did take. Okay. The poachers are dealt with. That leaves now you know, their empty belongings, which was just the bag with the the wire cage inside. Do you want to, like, observe the hole in the dirt that they were messing around with in any way? Yeah, let's see what they were trying to get at. I can can assume, but... Yeah, (laughs) you can reasonably assume. You look inside and all you can see is the back end of the shell of a tortoise. It is a, a dusty brown tortoise and it was completely closed up in its shell and, you know, was backed up in such a way where it was clearly trying to get away from this person, but it is now okay. So once you kind of make sure that the tortoise is all right and the tortoise settles back down into its burrow, uh, a wind circles around you. You know, sometimes when the wind blows in a circle and it picks up like leaves and dust Uh and little pebbles and stuff. So it kind of forms this like wind around you. And like for a second, it looks like the debris in the wind. It forms the outline of like a giant tortoise. But it instantly vanishes and turns back into just this regular wind that is flowing around you. And you feel emboldened. You feel stronger and sturdier. You gain two points to your AC. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of stopped myself. You said plus two? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm going to say turtle buff. It's a tortoise. Tortoise buff. (laughs) Buff removed. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) That was a test. Hey friends, we are going to take a quick break to hear from our fellow party members on the Maximum Fun Network. We'll be right back. Hi, my name is Graham Clark, and I'm one half of the podcast Stop Podcasting Yourself, a show that we've recorded for many, many years. And uh, at the moment, instead of being in person, we're recording remotely, and uh, you wouldn't even notice. You don't even notice the lag. That's right, Graham. And uh, the great thing about uh, this, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay. And, okay, go ahead. And you can listen to us uh, every week on MaximumFun.org. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Your podcasts. Did your neighbor back into your car? Bring that case to Judge Judy. Think the mailman might be the real father? Give that one to Judge Mathis. But 
Does your mom want you to flush her ashes down the toilet at Disney World when she passes away? Now that's my jurisdiction. Welcome to the court of Judge John Hodgman, where the people are real, the disputes are real, and the stakes are often unusual. If I got arrested for dumping your ashes in the Jungle Cruise, it would be an honor. I don't want to be part of somebody getting a super yacht. I don't know at what point you want to go into this, but we've had a worm bin before. Available free right now at MaximumFun.org. Judge John Hodgman, the court of last resort when your wife won't stop pretending to be a cat and knocking the clean laundry over. Okay, so you have finished off these poachers, rescued the rare tortoise. Dealt righteous justice. Yes. Also, you kind of noticed that, like, after that battle, Sable kind of had a little bit more respect for you after that. Nice. I think Sable got to see you in action. Sable is kind of getting a better feel for what you're all about. Yay. And I think maybe Sable is walking a little closer to you on the trail Hooray. now. The wild spirit is around for one hour, by the way. Oh, so this little fire hedgehog is just following you around? Yeah, at least until an hour has passed. Okay. All right. How is it following you around? Is it, it just It actually walking? floats. It floats? <laughs> you have a little floating fire hedgehog? Is it like the size of a normal hedgehog? No. Well, actually, big? I guess it would be because it is a small sized creature. So it's little. Well, it's not tiny, though. No, not a tiny. A hedgehog would be tiny. A, a dog sized hedgehog, I guess. Wow. <laughs> Okay, spectacular. So you followed Sable down the trail, which leads deeper into the forest, and the trail sort of transitions into wet mud and murky water. It continues through this swamp, but it is now, rather than just being a dirt trail on the ground, it is a boardwalk. Mm. So it is wood. It's a little bit rickety. It seems like it hasn't been super well maintained recently. There's no side railings, so it's very important to watch your step. Um, it's a little bit worn. Seems like many, many hunters have been, you know, over this boardwalk. Um, have I got an idea of what the legitimate hunters are hunting in this area? I mean, game. Okay. There's there's game around. Although it's interesting you say that because you've seen like birds and stuff right. like that, but you haven't seen any of those like deer or right. But you would expect to see them, but you haven't seen them, hmm. which is maybe a little unusual. Okay. So while you're walking over this boardwalk, you hear these sounds. They're under your feet, but like up ahead of you a little ways. You haven't quite walked over them just quite yet. You hear pew, 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 little pew, pew, pew. <laughs> Could I identify what that sound is? With a nature check, you can. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't take proficiency in nature. <laughs> why? I don't know. Oh, you know why? Because I think I put it in animal handling instead. Oh, I mean... Oh, well. Okay. That's a critical fail for a total of two. What? <laughs> oh, that was an unkind roll. Okay, you have no idea what this is. And where is it coming from relative to my location? It is up ahead of you and underneath the boardwalk, huh. but underneath an area of the boardwalk where, well, like the rest of the boardwalk, it's pretty rickety. Uh -huh. So maybe there's kind of like the boards are not completely, you know, like some of them are out of place. There might be gaps in the boardwalk, sure. um, stuff like that. So up ahead is pew, pew, pew. I guess I'll just continue onward and looking out to see what the source of the sound is. Okay. How fast are you going? 
Oh, are you going at your normal speed? Just or normal you... walking speed so far, because I don't have any reason to not be going. Sure. In... <laughs> yeah. Okay. As you're walking up to the pew, 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 they start to get a little louder and maybe a little bit more intense. And then as you come right up on them, you also hear, in addition to that, a low rumbling sound. Which then you can see ripples and bubbles in the water, like around the boardwalk. Uh The low rumbling gets louder and then turns into a snarling, hissing sound. And a large alligator rises to the surface of the water. You can now see that her babies were under the boardwalk Uh. and were making a distress call. And you are standing right over them. And... She's not happy about that. (laughs) She is livid. She's coming at you. Like, she's making her way towards you. She does not like you being there. I I think you have a few seconds to react to her coming at you. Okay, so this isn't yet initiative she's definitely attacking you but i think you she's far enough away that like you have a second to to figure out what you're gonna do before you're like she's right up on you uh probably book it you're gonna try to book it yeah like going forward yeah in the in the direction i was i'm like directly over them right so Mm -hmm. back or forward is pretty much the same at this point might as well keep going forward all right give me a dex check okay is this a save or just a because I mentioned, like, this boardwalk is kind of rickety, right? Yeah. It's to to run past successfully without losing your footing. Okay. Hey, a nat 20 for a 19. For a 19? Yes, because I have a minus one. Okay. <laughs> you, you're able to, like, run past this gap in the boardwalk. The mother alligator is, she's she's still coming at you. Like, she does not want you getting at her babies. Basically, like, you were able to, like, hop over this gap without, like, falling into the water. Oh, that's good. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) She is still coming at you, though. You are still on the boardwalk, though, so you're a little bit above her. Uh But she's, she's coming for you. Roll initiative. Okay. That is another net 20 for a 19. So you're up first. Okay. Uh, I will use another charge of the ring, but this time I will be using the fear spell. Okay. Because I figured for this kind of animal, that's the only gonna that's the only thing that's gonna stop it. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. How and that is a is a wisdom save. Wisdom a, save. DC thirteen. And the description is, you project a phantasmal image of a creature's worst fears. Each creature in a 30-foot cone must succeed on a wisdom save throw or drop whatever it is holding and become frightened for the duration. While frightened by this spell, a creature must take the dash action and move away from you by the safest available route on each of its turns unless there is nowhere to move. Mama Gator made a wisdom save of 11. All right. So she is frightened and then i will use my movement to move my movement speed away which is 25 feet unless you're counting the boardwalk as rough terrain no well if you'd like fallen into the mud and stuff then you would be in rough terrain okay you're still on the boardwalk so you can move away from her although i guess if it were within melee distance it could still opportunity to attack me I think that since you're up on the boardwalk okay. and she's still down below, I think maybe there wasn't enough room for her to take an attack of opportunity, especially if she's also frightened. So she's okay. going to be moving away from you now at this point. Okay. And then for my bonus action, I'll just tell my wildfire spirit to disengage and run. Okay. Well, next up is Sable, who's still, you know, not aggressively attacking right now anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think he kind of sees what you're doing and he gets that, like, we're moving on. And so Sable does not attack either. Sable 
runs ahead of you trying to get out of here. And Mama Gator, she does pick up her babies. Oh, okay. In her mouth. Uh, you can still hear them. Pew, 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 pew. You, you, you can still hear them. Uh, she picks them up in her mouth and she turns and skitters off into the mud. Very um, good. You can see her sink back down into the water and she has taken her babies and gone elsewhere. That's good. I like that. I like wildlife conflict mitigation. <laughs> I assume that wouldn't have gone well for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> I think you could have taken her. Could Sable? No. <laughs> I mean, not on his own, yeah, but yeah, yeah. eventually, yeah, he'd be all right. So you continue down the trail, down the boardwalk, through the swamp. At one point, you do come to a, a wooden lookout tower. It's tall. It has stairs that go up to the top. There's nothing like preventing you from climbing up there or anything. It's just a regular lookout tower. It looks like a nice spot for a short rest if you wanted one. And I'm assuming Sable following the trail isn't leading us into it. No, no. He's cool with, you know, he's he's sure. just pointing you down the trail. But there is a lookout tower here at this point. Um, I'll probably just walk up to the top to see what I can see just for a minute and then keep on going. Okay. Just taking the view. Yeah. You can see the tree line of mm-hmm. this, like, swampy forest that you're in. You can see that beyond it is, like, a grassy marsh with, like, water that kind of winds through the marsh grass You can also see that rising above the trees somewhere nearby, and it looks like perhaps in that marsh area, is a cloud. It could be smoke, it could be vapor, it could be, you know, there's a cloud that is rising from that area. It's not super far away. Can I take note of the direction of that? It is like if you continue down the trail, you will come to it. Okay. Okay. I mean, yeah, we'll take a quick short rest here, just at the top. Cool. So after taking a quick break, are you going to get up and continue down the trail? Yes. And follow Sable. So Sable is leading you further down the trail, kind of deeper into the swamp, but towards that marsh that you know that you're coming up on at the, that's at the edge of the swamp. Sable suddenly perks up. Um, his nose is twitching frantically. He he paws at you anxiously. like um, He's urging you ahead in the direction of that cloud that you saw. Okay. Where he is pointing you leads off of the trail. The, the ground beneath the boardwalk and outside of the trail, it's muddy with shallow standing water, but it is traversable. It is difficult terrain, but it is. You can you can move around. So that is where Sable is pointing you okay. into the mud. Uh, do I think Sable's going to be okay in this environment? Like, at least be able to move? Yeah. He's going to have to pick up his feet a little bit. Mm. But he, like I said, he's a bloodhound, right? Okay. So he's got those long yeah. legs. He, and he's used to this area, too. Okay. So he seems like he might be a little bit excited for it. Oh. <laughs> All right, here we go, Sable. Stay close. And then just kind of jump right in. Very good. Uh, you trek through the mud for a few minutes. Uh, you get to the edge of the tree line and you are looking out at a marsh. So patches of long, dense grass are growing through murky water that is about knee deep. It's, it's deep, but it's not the sort of thing where you're going to have to swim through it. Okay. You can walk through it. It's just still water. Sable is pointing ahead and... At first, it seems pretty obvious what he is pointing at. There is a marsh rabbit grazing on some long grass. That's what he's pointing at. I don't think it's noticed you yet, but it's just sitting there nibbling on grass. Does it have any interesting characteristics as far as rabbits go? It's just a rabbit. (laughs) I'll just kind of look at Sable. Like, Sable, what are we doing? Uh, Do you say that out loud? Like whispered? Yeah. Like, do you say something out loud to Sable? Yeah. Okay. I think the rabbit's ear kind of twitches when it hears you say that, and it... It's startled, so it begins to, like, hop away. Uh Uh-huh. But 
as soon as it starts to jump away and it starts to try to flee where you are, it disappears from sight, accompanied by loud splashing sounds. Like a you can't see because it's jumped into the grass. Oh, okay. So you can't see exactly what happened, but as the rabbit jumped into the grass, something big made it disappear. Oh. And out from beneath this like dense, thick, marshy grass emerges a massive snake. The snake's body is covered in these glossy black plates that are like cemented onto its body almost, like an armor that's like built onto its body. Underneath the cracks between these plates, you can see red and orange scales that are glowing like hot veins. You recognize the description of the red and orange scales that shine like embers as a description of kudzu. Do I recall if my mission was to bring back Kudzu alive? He didn't say alive. <laughs> okay. He assumed you would bring him back alive, but you, you don't know for sure. And this is obviously much larger than he implied. Yes. Okay. He told you that Kudzu was very, very small. And I also saw the terrarium he was supposedly living he in. He would not fit in this. Okay. Did he say how long it's been? He said like... Eight months. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. Give me a perception check. Okay. Twelve. Twelve total? Mm-hmm. You know how sometimes when you look out at a hot road that's in like the summer heat and it has this shimmer around it where the the air is kind of waving, it has this like halo of shimmering air around it. You see that around this snake. Huh. Interesting. Mm -hmm. The rabbit is gone without a trace, but a rabbit sized bulge appears below Kudzu's throat. Oh. Yeah. Rip. Yeah. Kudzu has not noticed you. He was a little preoccupied with eating the rabbit. All right. Um, gonna use the last charge of that ring to you speak with animals. Okay. This is not a save or anything. It just says you gain the ability to comprehend and verbally communicate with beasts for the duration. The knowledge and awareness of many beasts is limited by their intelligence, but at minimum... Beasts can give you information about nearby locations and monsters, including whatever they can perceive or have perceived within the past day. You might be able to persuade a beast to perform a small favor for you at the GM's discretion. Okay. Having used that, just call out, Kudzu, mighty snake of the swamp. They can give you information. Does that mean he like is speaking to you he like can. with words I, or just communicating like, oh, you know what? Maybe he's hissing, yeah. but like you can comprehend what his hisses mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So Kudzu kind of quickly turns his head around to seize you and he says, I'm so glad you did that. That's one character voice I can nail consistently. Um, It's a very easy character voice. So uh, Kudzu hisses at you, and you can understand that. When you said Kudzu, he really didn't like that. Oh, That's the name that he's called. That was the name that was given to him by the human that owned him. Ah. And so he, since you said that, he now, he associates you with the people who, you know, purchased and traded him. Ah. Ah, I've offended you. I apologize. (laughs) What is your real name? Or what would you like me to call you? I didn't think that far ahead. (laughs) I didn't think we'd be having a conversation. Really? (laughs) No, I really didn't. (laughs) Uh, He hisses at you, and you understand that to mean Vesuvius. Mm, 
Vesuvius, you don't belong here. <sighs> he hisses at you. <laughs> <laughs> and you get that to mean that he's not originally from here, but he likes it here. Mm. This is nice. <laughs> this is working out good for him, actually. Do I get an idea of why there's not as many animals as I would expect? It's starting to come together, uh, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is happy here. He's doing fine. He is fat and happy, basically. And I will do what I must. Okay. <laughs> All right. Are you swinging at him? <laughs> yeah. All right, let's go. <laughs> let's roll initiative. I got a 19. But Vesuvius does go first. Oh. He critted his initiative. Very nice. I mean, so did I, but I have a negative one. Well, he doesn't. Once Vesuvius perceives you as a threat, you hear a hissing sound, but it's not the hissing sound that he is making vocally. Oh? Between those black plates of armor on his body, mm -hmm. you know, he's got those red and orange glowing scales underneath, but they get brighter and then begin to ooze. And lava is seeping out from between these big black plates on his body. Uh-oh. So he is kind of just oozing this lava. The lava is dripping off of his body into the water around mm -hmm. him. And when it hits the water, it's making this loud sizzling sound. And also that is generating a big cloud of steam, which was the cloud of steam that you saw from the ah, lookout tower. Makes sense. Yeah. So he is just kind of like generating this lava that is seeping out mm -hmm. from beneath his armor plates. And he is going to use his uh, movement of 30 mm -hmm. feet. Um, he's just going to close the distance between you and him. And he is going to make at you a bite attack. Okay. That is a, an 11 to hit. That misses. It misses. All right. And next he is going to take a tail attack on you. That is a 14 to hit. That hits just, okay. just barely. You take two bludgeoning damage and two fire damage. Okay. Uh, you're up next. Mm-hmm. Probably my fire-based stuff isn't going to do a whole lot to him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can try. Instead, I will use my action to cast Moonbeam. Whoa. Okay, how does that work? A silvery beam of pale light shines down in a five-foot radius, 40-foot high cylinder centered on a point within range. Uh, until that spell ends, dim light fills the cylinder. So when a creature enters the spell for the first time on a turn or starts its turn there, it's engulfed in ghostly flame that caused searing pain. It must make a con save. It takes 2d10 radiant damage on a failed save, or half as much on a successful. Nice. But this would not happen until the start of its next turn. Okay. That's it for him right now. Okay. Next up is Sable. You have been attacked at this point. So Sable is going to try to bite Vesuvius. I guess it's important to understand, is there... Is it big enough such that part of its body can be within that cylinder, but some of it is outside of it still? It's a large... Okay. It's a large creature. Sable's attack misses. Okay. So Sable did not land that bite. So sorry, Sable. That does suck. Next up is Vesuvius. So now it can take that constitution save. Now we make a con save. DC 13. He didn't make it. Oh. That was a not a good roll. So he takes what? Two D10s. I can roll that. Oh, I got it right here. But it's my damage. Oh, fine. Okay. Roll your damage then. <laughs> Two D10 roll. It's not rolling. What the heck? 2d10. 
roll. Can you roll it for me, please? Mm, that's what I thought. <laughs> Seven. Seven radiant damage. Though. Seven radiant damage. Okay. Okay. He's coming at you again. Okay. Has a six to hit for his bite. That misses. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. And a seven to hit with his tail. That misses too. Okay. He's not doing amazing. <laughs> All right. It's back to you. Okay. Um, I will use a uh, use of my wild shape to summon my fire spirit. Okay. And I'll do that thing again where once it's summoned, it does that deck save. Mm-hmm. Uh, DC 13. Okay. That is a, a 21. So no damage then. But now my little guy's here. Yay, he's back. I'll tell him, attack! You're literally fighting fire with fire. Yeah, I'll use my <laughs> bonus action to tell him to attack. Okay. He'll do the flame seed again. Could you roll a d20 for me? You got 18. That's plus five to that. Ooh. To, to hit. That's a, yeah, that hits. 1d6 plus two fire damage, if you could roll that for me as well. 1d6 plus two, that's six. Wow. Six fire damage. Now, big question is, did that do as much damage as it should have? It didn't do as much okay. damage as you expected it to do. Okay. Did a little, though. Okay. Christian expected that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not Monax, perhaps. Right. It was uh, not very effective in Pokemon terms. <laughs> so was that the end of your turn? That was the end of my turn, yes. Okay. It's Sable's turn again. So Sable is going for another Chompy Chomp. Sable missed once again. Okay. Sorry, Sable. You <laughs> used up all your luck in the poacher fight. Next up is Vesuvius. Just to do that con save again, that constitution save. Ah, yes. If he does move out of it, just let me know. I think he's good where he's at for right now. Ooh, that time he got a three. All right. You could roll that 2d10 radiant for me. Yeah, let's see it. That was 13. Cool. 13 radiant damage. He's struggling. Yeah. He's struggling. Okay, yeah, he's it's his turn, so he is going to make another bite tail attack combo towards you. All right. The first one is a 19 to hit. That does hit. All right, that is four piercing damage. Okay. Plus one fire damage. Ooh. And then the tail. His tail attack is uh, a 10 to hit. That misses. Okay. Um, so Moonbeam is a concentration spell, okay. so I will have to make a con save since I took damage to see if I can keep it going. Ah, very good. Thank you for telling on yourself. <laughs> it is half the damage or 10 as the DC, whichever is greater. Okay. So I have to I make... believe you. This is a trust exercise, actually. <laughs> Could you roll a d20 for me, please? <laughs> my have app has mighty have fallen. It's a 14. Plus three, so I made it. All right, nice. You have kept your Moonbeam up. Yes. I believe it is now your turn. Yes. Monax. So now that Monax knows that fire isn't particularly effective. Did you have to let Monax figure that one out on his own? Yeah. You're such a good player. <laughs> Gonna do something interesting. Oh, I love something interesting. It's going to cast Create or Destroy Water. Okay. And I'm going to do the create water. Great. <laughs> you create up to 10 gallons of clean water within range in an open container. Alternatively, the water falls as rain in a 30-foot cube within range, extinguishing exposed flames in the area. So I'm going to try and make water rain down on his head. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have to do for that? Nothing. That's oh, just, you just that, do that's, it? That's just an action. You just do it? Yeah. Fascinating. 
is it rain or is it just like water falling from um, Oh, you know what it could be? Hmm. The steam that was generated by the lava falling into sure. the into the water around Vesuvius. The steam just kind of like reforms. <laughs> like it, it just kind of like comes back together to form actual like rain that precipitates. Sure, sure, sure. It's funny that you say that because I did actually have something written down for if this happens. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so yeah, the water falls down onto Kudzu's body. It makes like a sizzling sound as it right. hits his body. You do see it cool off. The bubbling of the boiling water around him starts to kind of like slow. And the shimmer of heat around his body fades. You can hear like that like kind of sound of like, you know, hot stone or metal being rapidly cooled. But... The lava that was seeping out from between his plates, uh, as the water falls on it and that lava quickly cools, uh-huh. it turns black. Oh. And turns into that same glossy black substance you see on his armor. Oh. Is his armor obsidian? It is obsidian. Ooh. Yes. And so, yes, his body is cooler, but there is now more obsidian armor on his body. Oh. <laughs> I see. <laughs> so you have traded problems. Let me just change something real quick. Sorry, Sable. He was already struggling to make a hit. <laughs> oh, poor baby. All right. Was that the end of your turn? Uh, or does your wildfire also make a move? So I'll use my bonus action to tell my spirit to take an attack. I got it working now. I can roll my own dice. Beautiful. Thank you. Restarted the app. Have you tried turning it off and turning it back That's on again? basically it. <laughs> All right, so he's going to do his fire seed attack, and 18 plus 5, 23 to hit. Yeah, that does hit. Okay. <laughs> I was not sure on You account. did just buff him. <laughs> uh, cool. So that is 1d6 plus 2 fire damage. Uh, that is 4 total fire damage prior to resistance. Right. Okay. Uh, it is Sable's turn. He's going to keep chomping away. I know this is not incredibly exciting audio. <laughs> chomp, chomp, chomp. I know. Chomp. He's just chomping over and over again. Ooh, he got <laughs> one this time. There you go. Um, he did get a little bit of a chomp in there. And the timing couldn't have been better because you just cooled his body off. Oh, was there going to be a... Yeah, there's a thing. Okay. Okay, so he got... Oh, Sable. Well, he's trying... Sable didn't do a ton of damage, but he landed a hit. Good job, Sable. <laughs> Good boy. Good boy. His tail wags <laughs> when you say that. Okay. Now it's back up to Vesuvius. Give me that constitution save. That is a eight. That's not a fail. Total of ten radiant damage. Ooh. That does it. Really? Yeah. All right. You landed a lot of hits on him. I mean, it could have moved. (laughs) And done what? (laughs) Taking like three attacks of opportunity. (laughs) That's the thing, isn't it? (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, that does it. Well, this is with a moonbeam, right? It's a moonbeam that does it. Yeah, so I don't know. Does it just like shatter him into a bunch of obsidian shards? Maybe it's that the moonbeam dissolves the obsidian armor and then exposes just... The meat? The, the body of the snake. Not the meat, but like the body <laughs> of the snake without the armor on. Uh, okay. And then leaves him open for you to finish him off. Oh. 
just for flavor. Oh, okay. Yeah. With my chiletto? Yeah. <laughs> like it. If you want to, I mean, there's cooler ways for you to do it than with a little tiny little dagger, but I unless mean, you can think cool- of a really cool way to do it with a dagger. I mean, that's the coolest weapon I have. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't really get to bust out a weapon of my own prior to the Chiletto. That was your chance. I, I, didn't, I had like a hand axe. Oh, okay. That's okay. <laughs> to go with the forest theme. Mm, I got it. I got, oh, yeah. That that's cute. <laughs> I like that. Um, so you want to finish him off with a Chiletto? Yeah. How are you doing it? Ooh, throwing it. Ooh, like yeah. a throwing yeah. knife thing? Yeah. Okay, very cool. Where does it hit him? Uh, Probably like in the back of the head. Okay, Vesuvius sort of writhes and then just kind of crashes back down into the water. Uh, at this point, all of the obsidian has peeled away from his body and is just kind of on the ground around him. And his scales kind of dull down to like a like a dark red mm-hmm. um, because they're not glowing with heat anymore. So Vesuvius has, has fallen. He is slain. What do you do now? Monax is sad that it had to come to this. Yeah. Um, I guess I need, I can't take back this whole snake with me. Yeah, that's the thing, ain't it? He's real big. <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe take a couple of the colored scales mm. that are pretty unique to the snake. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, you could you could very easily pry a couple scales off there. Does it have fangs or anything? I mean, yeah, he's got fangs. I'm imagining he's something like a constrictor snake if he's not venomous. Um, oh, that's true. So he's probably got fangs, but they're not particularly fearsome. Uh, yeah, I'll take a couple of scales and maybe mm-hmm. one of the teeth. Okay, cool. Maybe some of that obsidian that's laying around. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. You want to take all that back to mm-hmm. the mayor? Okay, you do so. Um, you get back and you present these uh, leavings from Vesuvius <laughs> back to the mayor. He definitely seems sad. He just kind of shakes his head and he goes, um... Well, I'd, I'd, I'd hoped it wouldn't have to come to this, but you did the right thing. I thank you for protecting us in our forest. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I'm also sad it came to this. Obviously, a large snake killing all your things in the forest. Oh, I did stop some tortoise poachers. I do thank you for your service in protecting our forest and looking out for our environment here. Of course. Now, uh, now that wonderful payment. Oh, yes, of course. Money, please. <laughs> Yeah, he opens a treasure chest. It's full of like a thousand gold and gives you all of the gold and rubies. And Is the chest made gems. of that mahogany? Yes. Monax is more interested in the he dumps the He dumps the treasure out awesome. on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Just upends the treasure chest, dumps all the gold out, and is like, this is great. <laughs> the gold's cool too, I guess, but this... <laughs> Mahogany. Yes, he gives you a, a beautiful, this is the most gorgeous box you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> um, and I think he'd also send you on your way with a, a letter of recommendation to bring back to your guild, to the Perfect. Fire Scouts, as a job well done. Uh, he sends you with his regards, basically. Sable's still with you. Did you want to bring Sable back to the kennel? I, ha- I kind of have to. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could steal their dog, I guess. <laughs> Oh no! Wait, 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 wait. Go back to the kennel. Uh huh. Ask. Hey, um, how much for this dog? When you return back to the kennel, Sable is also very like excited to be reunited with Sereno. Oh, okay. The tail wagging, like licking her face and stuff like that. Ah, um, on second thought, offer rescinded. Aww. It's a good dog there. 
Um, and before you leave, Sable licks your hand. Oh, good dog. <laughs> Chin scratches. Yes. He's, his, his tail is wagging, but he does go back into his kennel and curl up in his bed. He's had a long day. He needs a rest. Good job, Sable. Good boy. Roll credits. <laughs> <laughs> Roll credits on the good boy. So to answer the earlier question, the dog does not die. No, the dog was fine. <laughs> You rolled really well. Yeah. It was, you had some great rolls. That's how it goes sometimes. Yeah. And that's it. That is the adventure. Awesome. Thanks, hon. That, that was, was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you for playing. Maybe what we can do is at some point in the future, we could do maybe like next week or something, we could do a um, bonus like behind the scenes episode. Making of. Yeah. We could do like a, <laughs> we'll do like a behind the scenes episode where I can tell you about the stuff that we didn't do, like stuff that I had prepared that we didn't get to, little Easter eggs and sure. stuff that I had hidden in there. Maybe we could make a bonus episode for members about that. That'd be fun. Yeah. And I'll also put uh, this module up on our website. So people can play it if they want to. Very cool. Yeah. I'll have to add, (laughs) apparently, his name. (laughs) The snake's real name, which was kind of an on-the-fly thing. That was a little bit of improv magic there. But (laughs) I have to add that to the module, I guess. Good stuff. Yeah. GG. (laughs) Yeah. Good job, babe. Thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on your network with your other wonderful shows. Come hang out with us on social media. At Just the Zoo of Us. At the Zoo of Us if you're on Instagram. Uh, my email address is ellen at just the zoo of us.com. Send us an email um, if you've got something to say or if you have an animal you want to hear us talk about on the show. Hi, this is me editing this episode. I just wanted to say that the 21 different sounds I used in this episode came from freesound.org, a collaborative database of Creative Commons licensed sounds. Attribution and links to all of these sounds can be found at justthezooofus.com slash soundattribution, which is linked in the episode description. Thank you to Louis Zong for our wonderful theme music, and I think that's all we've got for this week. Thanks, y'all. Thank you. Bye. Bye. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.